0: Good morning, Booker tov. Mazel tov. again to Linda, our dinner honoree. Yay! Hey, Linda. Um, next year, when I volunteer to give the class on Erev Shabbos Haggadol, remind me that I don't really mean it. So we may have an abbreviated class today, but we have to... People want to learn Parsha, we got to at least learn Parsha. Especially a neglected Parsha like Tzav. The Parshios of Shabbos and Shabbos gadol are neglected because there's no drushas, there's no uh, shiurim. Rabbis are exclusively focused and dedicated to the Shabbos Shuvah, Shabbos So we have to give at least a little attention to Parshat Tzav. Tzav continues the theme we began last week. Again, we're in Torah's Kohanim. We're dealing with the laws of the, uh, of the priests, of the Kohanim of the sacrifices that are brought. And our parasha begins with the uh, type of service called the Trumas adeshen, The removal of the ash... When uh, every morning you come, the sacrifice that was left to be consumed by the fire overnight is now left a pile of ash. Well, someone has that job the next morning of taking the ash off the Mizbeach, off of the altar. But if you look at the beginning of the parish, you'll see it's a somewhat peculiar service. The Kohen, first of all, gets dressed up in order to perform it. <speaking in Hebrew> those who recite this as part of the davening, the karbonos in the morning, he lifts the ash from the fire that consumed the ola overnight and he places it next to the mizbeach. Then he removes his garments, he puts on other garments, and then he takes the ash and he takes it outside the camp. He disposes of it permanently. And you can't help but be left with the question. It's very peculiar. When I take out the garbage... It doesn't happen that often. But when I take out the garbage, I don't take it to the front hallway, leave it there, go change, and then take it to the curb. I take out the garbage. I take it right to the garbage. If you're taking out the garbage, you take it outside, you put it in the garbage. Why is it this two-step process? First you put it next to the Mizbeach, and then you bring it out and dispose of it permanently. We spoke about this uh, at length in the past. If you want to listen online, you can. But I'll just tell you very briefly, because... I think it's an incredibly powerful image that Rav Hirsch provides in his answer. Says Rav Hirsch, every day the new carbon you bring, you might have the mistaken notion. I spoke about this in a Yizker Russia once. You'll understand why in a moment. Every day your carbon, you might think, I'm a great I'm a big guy. I'm a big shot. I'm bringing a carbon. I'm the first in the world to spend the money, schlep the animal, dedicate, be philanthropic, make the donation. I'm such big stuff. So what's the halacha says? The ash of yesterday's korban sits next to the Mizbeach. To remember the sacrifices of yesterday. As you make your sacrifice today and as you'll make your sacrifice tomorrow, we don't forget our past. We don't purge it and move on. We don't throw out the trash and act as if everything is anew. But the ash first sits next to the Mizbeach, so that when I make a sacrifice today... You know, the sacrifices that we make today... We think are big sacrifices. And everything is relative to its time. But uh, but the sacrifices, whatever they are... I don't know, The it's been said that the challenge... The nisayon of our generation is the high cost of tuition. Our ancestors would have killed... For their nisayon, for their test to be... If you live in during the Inquisition, the Crusades... Or Spanish expulsion, or the pogroms, or the Holocaust... You would have given everything for the biggest test in your life to be the high cost of Jewish day school education. But for our generation, that's uh, that's the test. So each generation comes and they think they're the first ones to experience a test. They're the first one to make a sacrifice. They're the first ones to have to be most Nefesh and have a challenge. It says reverse, the Truma Hadeshen, the Ash, the yesterday's, the results, or the residue of yesterday's sacrifice is first place next to the is to remember the sacrifices of yesterday before you on volunteer your sacrifices today or tomorrow. A very beautiful insight of refresh. Another explanation, again we spoke about this at length in the past, the notion of taking out the garbage is also part of the avoda. The kohen, it's part of the service also, is taking out the garbage. doesn't matter who, how big you think you are, and who you are, and what your title is, or who you have meetings with, but taking out the garbage, the basics that humble us, is still part of the Avodah. So our Parsha begins with this uh, this service of the Chumas Adeshen, removing the ash. It? Where... it says the mido bottom bad. It's the plain. The plain clothing that he puts on. It's not uh, the it. it's No. No, it's the long uh, garment. A shirt that's fitted to each kohen. Okay. And the Parsha then goes on and tells us the korban mincha, which is the flower offering. Not an animal offering, but the flower offering. Pasha continues with the chatas and uh, and uh, korban osham which we covered recently in the daf. For those learning the daf, we have the miscellaneous gifts that are given to the kohen. Different sacrifices; some are consumed by the Almighty, so to say, meaning that they're burned the entire night on the fire. Others are given to the kohenim, and others, the Bailam, the owner, the donor of the sacrifice, also has a piece. So even when the donor, when the giver of the sacrifice, has has access to the flesh of the sacrifice there are still pieces part of the Matnas Kahuna the 24 Matnas Kahuna that are given to the Kohen <clears throat> the Chazay and the Shok the uh, breast of the animal and the thigh of the animal are given to the Kohen as gifts remember the Kohanim forfeit a living the Kohanim are the original Kohanim and levim, I mean, the original community kolel. they serve the community first of all in the Besan Megdash, but they rotate they were twenty divided into 24 groups who served one week at a time What did they do off week? When it wasn't their week of service, they were teachers. They were mentors. They were authorities, halachic authorities and moral models, role models for the community. So where did they derive? They weren't given land. When the land is conquered, it's divided among the tribes with the exclusion of Levi. Levi are not given tribes in Israel. Instead, each of the tribes are obligated to apportion cities within their territory for Levi, for the Kohanim. Why? Because on their off weeks when they're not serving in the Beis HaMikdash, they're living among each of the tribes in their city where they're creating community coal and where they are the role models and the teachers and the educators having forfeited land that was an agricultural society. Where did you earn your livelihood? You earned your livelihood from working the land, from your harvest. So if you didn't have land because you weren't included in the division of land, of property, how did you survive? Through the gifts. Truma, meiser? And here, the matnas kahuna. We then go on to the korban todo, which is what we're going to study together today. Pigul, one of the um, disqualifications of a sacrifice is if a person is offering the sacrifice and they have an improper thought of it being a different sacrifice or, uh, and so on. Something not consistent with the laws of that sacrifice, it passes, it makes the sacrifice uh, disqualified. We then go on to uh, the, you're not allowed to eat a korban in a state of contamination. The fats and the blood, you're not allowed to eat. They're burned on the altar. The other parts, and uh, the, the parsha ends with the consecration of the koanim. Taking the shemana mishcha, the oil of anointing, and actually elevating, giving the koanim their sacred consecrated status to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Okay, so what we're going to study. Somewhat briefly this morning, is the section of the Korban Tota. Perak Zion, Pasuk Yud'Alaf, page 574. 574 in the article, Stone Chumash, Perek Zion, chapter 7, verse 11. And here the Torah tells us about a special type of Korban. It is under the umbrella of the category of Korban Shlomim, Voluntary Offerings, However, it's a particular type of korban shlamim called a korban toda. V'zos toras zevach shlamim asher yakriv This is the law of the shlamim, a peace offering that you offer to Hashem. Which circumstance? Next pasuk. Im al toda yakrivenu. If in gratitude you offer it, Vikriva al zevach toda chalos matzos belulos Urikikei matzos mishuchim bashamen. Vesolas murbechas chalos belulos So if you're offering it for uh, gratitude, you offer it with a uh, todah, which is a mixture of unleavened loaves. There are four types of breads that you bring with the karba. Normally a shlamim is just the meat. This shlamim, a todah, is both the animal accompanied by four types of bread. Three of them are made matzah. And one of them is leaven, is chametz. You take all the flour. Half the flour goes to make the the um, thirty loaves of matzah, ten loaves of three kinds of matzah, and half the flour goes to make ten loaves of chametz. Forty loaves, thirty matzahs, and ten loaves of bread are offered with this uh, with this carbon. That's what the pasuk describes. When do you bring a carbon toda? What does that mean? You're grateful. You wake up one morning, you've got a skip and you jump, got out of the right side of your bed. You're happy to be alive. You go bring a carbon toda. When do you bring a carbon toda? So Rashi tells us, we are familiar with this. We don't have a carbon toda today. We have something else that takes its place. But Rashi tells us, "Im al davar hoda al If a person wants to express gratitude, appreciation for a miracle they experienced, in your day, if you traveled over a body of water, midbarios, or you made it through the desert, you're released from captivity, a sick person who is healed, lahotos. These are the four categories of people that are obligated to bring a korban tota. in Tehillim Kufzayin, it says. Chasto Adam Toda. That long capital to there. That long, uh, that long uh, chapter describes the refrain, the chorus of the chapter of Tehillim is Yodu Lashem Chasto. Be grateful, Yodu from Hoda, from Mode Be grateful, say thanks to Hashem for His Chesed and for the wonders that he has given to man. And how do you say thank you? The zibchei toda. By offering a karban toda. And there the Kapitol delineates four categories of people who need to express the gratitude, the four that we mentioned. You cross a body of water, you cross a desert, you're released from captivity, or you are healed after being infirm. So an individual who experiences one of these four categories must express gratitude by offering a korban toda. What is a korban toda? It is a shlamim sacrifice, the animal, accompanied by 40 loaves, 30 matzahs and 10 loaves of bread. And all of that, the animal and the 40 loaves must be consumed within a day and a night, which we'll see in a moment is unusual. The weekend, the weekend, oh, here. So today, unfortunately, tragically, sadly, we don't have a base on Nikdash. So, how do we express gratitude if you fit one of those categories? What has taken the place of the korban Todah today is birchas hagomel. Birchas hagomel. Some Now the application of Birch Gomel, the bracha that we recite in lieu of the Korban Todah, which is for the same four categories of people, the application is a little bit more complicated. It's beyond the scope this morning. But for example, when you fly in an airplane, should you say Bench Gomel? If you fly over a body of water, is airplane travel considered dangerous today? Is it normative? Rabbi Soloveitchik famously did not Bench Gomel when did the airplane travel... Most still do if you cross a body of water. Um, Some say that the defining characteristic is... If you're in a vessel that if the floor dropped out... Would you be capable of surviving? I don't mean from 30,000 feet. But when you're driving in a car... You don't bench gummel afterwards because you're still on land. If the car disintegrated, you'd be on dry land. Again, not if you're moving 70 miles an hour... But in theory on dry land. Whereas if you're flying over an ocean with a plane... Tragically, this morning, this Lufthansa flight that crashed in the French Alps, killing everybody. So, uh, from Spain to the French Alps, that crashed this morning, a Lufthansa flight, Uh, tragically in the French Alps, killing everybody on board. So, we appreciate the notion of arriving safely to our destination, while we may minimize it because we take it for granted, in terms of uh, as its uh, percentage but it still is something miraculous. Similarly, how do you apply and gomel after you are recovered or healed from an illness? If you stub your toe and it feels better, do you bench gomel? If you had a cold or the flu, you had strep and ear infection, do you bench gomel? If you underwent anesthesia, you had a colonoscopy? You definitely say asher yatzar. but do you bench gomel? <laughs> so how you apply gomel to uh, healing from illness is also an interesting uh, area of uh, halakha. But... Um, but these are the four categories of people. If there were a Beis HaMikdash, they would bring a Korban Todah in lieu of the Beis HaMikdash. Today we bench Gomel. Yes? <coughs> oh, we also have the notion of a Sudha Soda today. Less mandated by Halacha than Baruch gomel, but certainly it's a Minah to have a meal of thanksgiving. Really modeled after the Korban Toda. We'll get back to that notion in a moment as well. Okay, so these are the four. These are the four categories. Look at Rashi, the Hikriv Alzeva again to delineate these forty loaves. Arba Minei Lechem, four types of bread: Chalos, Rikikin, Revucha, and Shlosheminei Matza. Uksiva Lechem, Al Chalos Lechem Chometz. V'Chominumin Eser Chalos. You have four types, three types of matza, one type of bread, and 10 loaves made of each category. So Rashi tells us again, it's an enormous measure of food. A whole animal, 40 loaves, you're one individual. You made it across the desert. You made it across the ocean. You're released from prison. You had minor surgery, a procedure, or you finished your treatment Hello for a terrible uh, illness, and you're so grateful. You offer your korban You come to the base of Mikdash. Now you've got an enormous barbecue of meat and forty loaves, and you're told you have to eat it in how long? A very short time span. Let's keep reading. You bring the sacrifice with these loaves. From it you offer one of each of the kinds of offering as a gift to Hashem. The Kohen does the zrika. Every carbon is made up of four things. Shechita, zrika, lacha, and. What am I missing? Shechita, Lacha, Zerika. I'm blanking out. So the carbon who does the Zerika, who sprinkles the blood, is entitled to a piece of the carbon. Ubsar Zevach Toda This is the last pasak here dealing with the carbon Toda. And the meat, the flesh of the sacrifice of the Shlomim you must eat B'yom carbono on the day that you bring it. Lo yaniach mimenu ar Boker You may not leave it over Until the next morning Which means how long do you have to consume it The remainder of that day and night. And that night she says You really have to eat it The remainder of that day Through the night why do we say finish it by chatzos by midnight? In order that you not flirt with the deadline, to encourage you to eat it in an expedited, eat it in an expedited fashion. Look at the Ibn Ezra, im al toda. Pesachid base. Go back to the beginning of our section. Why does it say im al toda? If you're bringing a korban toda, korban toda voluntary is it optional? It's mandatory. If you're one of these four categories. If you experience one of these interesting, what the Torah calls a miracle, Rashi called it a miracle. If you, it's a miracle. I don't know. Somebody has a hernia surgery; they get better, which it's a miracle. Somebody flies to Israel and lands safely; it's a miracle. Across the Midbar, it's a miracle. The answer is yeah. Part of what I think the Torah wants to communicate in this section is that's a miracle. It's nothing short of a of a miracle for which we need to be. Unbelievably, incredibly grateful Incredibly grateful You know, just because it happens often Doesn't make it not a miracle Just because you come to expect it Doesn't minimize The miraculous nature of it It's still something which is extraordinary And should not be taken for granted And the tota is the mechanism For a person to not take it for granted So why does it say im? If, as if voluntary It's mandatory It's mandatory so, uh, so some of Harshim suggest, because even though it's mandatory, you should bring it with the attitude of as if it's voluntary. You know, you can do things because you have to. So you're discharging your obligation. You can do things because you want to. It's a voluntary gift. The im, if, is to indicate that even though you have to, you should bring an attitude of you want to. Ibn Ezra says, Im al-Toda, ta'amoshah nimlat mitzara the reason you're saying thank you is that you were spared from a tragedy you only appreciate how dangerous something is when the inverse, when the opposite of it happens so a plane goes down like this morning you appreciate that every time you land safely it is a miracle you're sitting in a tin box that flies through the air at 600 miles, 700, 800 miles an hour 30,000 feet and lands gently on the floor, on the ground it's not a miracle It's an unbelievable miracle. We just take it for granted. When we hit turbulence, uh, we want our money back. We want a free movie, free cocktail. You know, when the pilot lands and there's a little bit of a bump, (sighs) who's this amateur pilot? It's a miracle. It's an unbelievable miracle. It's a miracle. The fact that someone, a surgeon, could take a scalpel, cut you open, move some parts around, sew you back up, and you're out of the hospital that day or the next day, it's not a miracle. You breathe in some gas, you fall asleep, so you feel nothing. You know, the old days you had to take a swig of some, some scotch while they cut you open and you, you have to grin and bear it. It's not a miracle they discovered anesthesia, it's not a miracle they figured out how to cut you open and put you back together. So, the Ibn Ezra says that this carbon toda is to cultivate within ourselves a sensitivity that just because something's come to be expected does not take away its miraculous nature. It's a miracle. You know, a person only appreciates the miraculous nature of the capacity to go to the bathroom when they are catheterized, when they, God forbid, have to have a, um, a bag, a uh, ostomy. You only appreciate the incredible, incredible miracle. And begin to say Asher Yatzar with a little bit of kavana when you know what it means to not be able to do the thing that nobody ever thinks about doing in decades and decades and decades. So, the korban toda is designed to make you say, Stop! Stop! Don't take for granted what just happened. It's a miracle. We're going to say in the end of the Seder, in the halal, at the end of the Seder, the second half of halal, we say what we say every Shabbos morning halal hagadol. You know the two columns that end Kiliolam Chasto? Odul Hashem Kitov Kiliolam Chasto? But two long columns. And the long columns delineate miracles. You see God through my through the creation of the world, the heavens, the constellations, we see God through history. You split the sea, you brought the miracles. And how does the Mizmor end? It's called, our rabbis refer to it, as Halal HaGadol. How does it end? No, saying, Lechem lechol basar, Kili Olam Chasta. Oh, and God also, you give us bread. Shkayach, Kili Olam Chasta. You split the sea. You brought miracles, the ten plagues. You created the universe! And when I go to Publix, there's bread on the shelves. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. That's very anticlimactic way to end the Halal HaGadol. should end on a high. And God, you... I don't know... Uh, you can make an eclipse of the sun, you can... I don't know. I Nosin lechem I think David HaMelech was trying to communicate the fact that you have bread. You put a seed in the ground and what grows you're able to harvest and grind and knead and bake and bread is the staple of humanity. The fact that God, you allow bread to emanate from the earth is no less miraculous than the man that fell from heaven. Think about it for a moment. Bread comes from the ground or bread falls from the sky. What's the only difference between the bread that comes from the ground or falls from the sky? The only difference is our expectation of it. We expect to be able to grow bread, flour, that we turn into bread. But uh, bread to fall from the sky is an anomaly. So we go, oh, the man, that's a miracle. But is there really a difference? Should we really be entitled to expect bread to grow, come either from the heavens or from the ground? So David HaMalach says, next time you go to the supermarket, again, we don't appreciate this because we're not an agricultural society. Commercialized society. So we go, and it's not bread. It's which type of the million types of bread do you want? Right? It's fresh. It's soft. It's it's unbelievable. Which kind of bread do you want? But if you lived in an agricultural society where it didn't rain and you couldn't grow and you had didn't have the staple of humanity, bread to eat, and you starve. You'd realize that bread coming from the ground is as miraculous as it falling from the sky. So says the Ibn Ezra, if you pause and you say thank you and you're grateful and you recognize and you appreciate the miracle, the miracle that just happened to you, you healed, you got better, you released from prison, you made it over the sea or you crossed the desert. Or you crossed the desert. The, um, I've said this ad nauseum but I'll tell you one more time for those listening online because it's an amazing insight of Dayenu we sing Dayenu right? it's the familiar most familiar my, my two year old son is singing Dayenu all over my house yeah, anybody can learn that tune one word it's easy Day Dayenu it's a couple syllables so uh, you look at Dayenu the question everybody asks is it's very disingenuous we don't really mean Dayenu God, if you took us out of Egypt and we died right after, Dayenu, good enough. If you took us to our you didn't give us the Torah, Dayenu, good enough. Really? It's ridiculous. Of course we don't mean good enough. Why are we singing Dayenu? Rav Nachman Kohn, the author of the historical Haggadah, suggests the following. Open up the Torah and go back to every line that's mentioned in Dayenu and read it when it unfolds in the Torah. And you'll note that specifically the lines, the stanzas that are chosen in Dayenu are all events in the Torah for which we never said thank you to the Rebun Shalom. They happened, and we just kept going. What do we do Seder night? Says Rav Nachman Khan. What Dayenu means is, not it would have been enough, but each of these things was enough that we should have said thank you. And what we do Seder night is we repair, we correct the mistake we look back on our history and we turn to Hashem and we say, you know, I failed to be appreciative enough for the things you did. And so tonight I want to say thank you. Because part of freedom means the ability to look back at my life and say thank you for the things that I have been ungrateful for. Dayenu. It's enough to say thank you. I'm going to mention on Shabbos to the Shabbos, when we tell the story, Sipur Tzies Mitzrayim, we do it through Arami Oved Avi. And everybody asks... Why are you choosing the section from Dvarim with Bikurim, the farmer who brings his first fruit and he reviews Jewish history? We should read the section in the Haggadah from, not Dvarim, but Shmos. Read the story as it appeared in the narrative when it was given. Why Dvarim? So one of the answers I saw is, what is Bikurim? The farmer takes his first fruit, he brings it to Yerushalayim, and he says, Thank you, Hashem. And he says, You know what, Hashem? I'm thanking you for this fruit. I need to thank you for being here in Israel. Thank you for taking us out of Egypt. Thank you for forming us as a nation. Thank you for bringing us to this Holy Land. In the context, we tell Sipur Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, not in a vacuum. It's not a history lesson. We specifically couch it in the context of gratitude. Because that's what it means to be free. It's what it means to be a Jew. We are named not uh, after so many of our other patriarchs. We are called Yehudim. We're named after Yehuda because we are a grateful people. The night that celebrates our nationhood, our peoplehood, our emergence is a night that we say thank you. Dayenu, day dayenu. So that's what the carbon Toda. In fact, uh, we don't have time. We probably do have time. But I'm not interested in spending the time because i got to get back to Shabbat Zagadu. But the... the Um, Seder night, the Korban Pesach, is very much modeled after a Korban Todah, this Korban that we're studying. When you bring the Korban Pesach, you are essentially stopping and saying thank you. Which is how many explain in Manashtana when you say, most of the times we have chametz and matzah, why is tonight kulo matzah? What you're saying is, most of the time you bring the Korban Todah. What are you bringing? 40 loaves. Thirty r matzah, ten r chametz. If the carbon pesach, if tonight is about saying thank you and is modeled after the carbon toda, I have the matzah. Where's the where's the chametz? Why is tonight kulo matzah? Normally we have matzah and chametz. Why is tonight all matzah? If it's modeled after the carbon, the carbon toda. The essence of the seder is an exercise in in gratitude, and the essence of the carbon toda is. As events unfold in our lives that most others take for granted, we stop, we halt, and we say thank you. But listen to the way we say thank you. This is unbelievable. Everyone assumes it's a comment of the Nitziv, and it is, we'll read in a moment. But it really begins with a comment of the Sforno, who lived uh, 600 years, 700 years earlier. Ravavadya Sforno, the great commentary of Italy. Aleph. Everyone, Anyone have a cross Gadol? let look at the Sforno. We have two types of karbonos. You have kachem uh, kalem and kachem kadashim Kachem kalem are the tier two karbonos, the lesser, so to say, karbonos. Kachem Shei kachem are the holiest, most sacrosanct sacrifices. They're eaten only by the kohanim. Non kohanim have a limited access. Kachem kalem literally means the lighter sacrifices, tier 2 sacrifices, can be accessed by non-Kohanim. Which category do Shlomim belong to? Is a Korban Shlomim a Kotchei Kotchem or Kotchei Kalam? It's Kotchem Kalam, says the Sforanom. Shlomim are eaten by the Bailam are eaten by the owner of the Korban. It's a tier 2 Korban. And yet, here it has an element of a higher Korban. She'imei mal'odos why does it have chametz? People don't realize this. You know, you think about chametz and matzah, you think of Pesach. But if you lived in the time of the Beisad Mikdash, you would know that chametz is never brought on the Mizbayah. Chametz is never offered on the altar with two exceptions. The todah and the Sh'te the holiday of Shavuos. But you are forbidden to bring chametz. Only matzah belongs in the base of Mikdash, with the mizbeach, and yet here this carbon has chametz. Why does it have chametz? Says the svarno ki omnam sibas seor to remind you, chametz represents Sahara. chametz re- represents man's arrogance, hubris. Chametz represents giving in to our impulse. It's leaven, it's laziness, it's procrastination, it is distraction. Why did you find yourself in that Sarah? Because God needed to provide you a wake-up call. So when you bring the sacrifice of gratitude and you reflect on that wake-up call, it includes chametz to remember the cause, to remember that you need to reflect on where you went wrong and why you needed that wake-up call? That's what the Sforno says. But there are many more: thirty loaves of matzah, ten loaves of chametz. And the disproportionate matzah to chametz really promotes the miracle to the many who eat it. And Normally a shlamim can be eaten over the course of two days and a night. So I can eat it the remainder of the day I bring it, throughout the entire next night, that night, and throughout the next day. That's how long I have. The toad is an exception within the shlamim. I don't have that day, that night, and the next day. I only have that day and that night. And the Svarna already hints why. And what is that more similar to? Not a shlamim. that's more similar to a Kodshay Kadashim, to the higher level, to the tier one to the more elevated sacrifice. Why? Because says the Svarno, saying thank you is the holiest activity you can do. Yes, it is elements of Kachim Kalim, it's a Shlamim, but the time limit given indicates that in other ways it's like Kachim Kadashim. In other ways it is Kachim Kadashim. In other ways it is very holy. Saying thank you, being grateful is holy. Fine. So there's far no hints. It is a, a kalam. in that it's a Shlamim but it's also a higher level that you have a more limited time to eat it and what's the result of having a more limited time to eat it? What will happen because you have a more limited time you have to finish it the animal, the big barbecue, and 40 loaves, but you have a narrow window to finish it. So what are you going to do? Here's the incredible insight. It's a famous insight of the Nitziv. Who's the Nitziv? Rav Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, Rosh Hashiva of Volazhin, the father of Rav Chaim Berlin, and Rav Meir Berlin, who later changed his name to Rav Meir Bar-Ilan, from Barilan University. His name. So it says the Nitziv, in his commentary on Chumash, Haamek Davar, says the Nitziv the following. You bring a korban toda for a miracle. And you're here to say thank you to Hashem. What's the best way to say thank you to Hashem? Privately? Modestly? Hidden in a corner? You don't tell anyone what happened to you? You keep it private? You keep it quiet? You hide it? No. If you're really grateful to Hashem, and you want to express that gratitude to Hashem, you don't keep it to yourself. You promote it and declare it and proclaim it as widely as possible. And that's why this carbon is unique. You have to eat more than any other in a smaller window than any other. And what's the result? You got one day. So what are you gonna do as a result, says the Ntsiv? Invite everybody you know to your Suda Suda. You say, I got a ton of food here. And it's gonna go bad, halachically meaning I have to finish it. What am I gonna do? You're gonna invite everybody. Come, participate, come, enjoy. So by increasing the amount you have to consume and decreasing the time you have to consume it, You encourage the individual bringing the sacrifice to bring many, many people. And what's the result of bringing many people? You will tell as many people about this miracle. You'll express that gratitude as widely as possible. Toda Ashlomo b'mesh and nechlatz mitzara. Okay, so the Nitziv really expanding on the comment of the Sfaro says so beautifully that the essence of the Toda is to say thank you as widely as possible. If you're really grateful, you don't hide it. You tell every, you tell people you're not going to believe what so and so did for me. They're amazing. Listen to how great they are. That's how you really say thank you to that person. Is that you're not hiding it or private about it, but you're willing to share it. And you're willing to promote it. Says the Kliyakar. It's the last thing I comment I want to see, look at the Kliyakar. <clears throat> Kliyakar notes something interesting about our section. When it comes to this Korban, it says Asher that you will sacrifice to God. The other karbonos are brought for sin, for khayt. This shlamim is not brought for atonement. I know I hate the word sin. I spoke about that last week. For uh, missed opportunities. The other karbonos are brought because you missed an opportunity. You blew it. Shlamim is not brought for that reason. Shlamim and the todah in particular are brought out of love. Out of gratitude. So the Pasuk describes that his hands should bring it. It says you bring the sacrifice to Hashem. It's more affectionate. It's more loving. It's more direct. It's with one's hands. He says the Kliakar, Rav Lunches. Look around the other sacrifices and you'll know. With the other categories of sacrifices, it does not say that you bring with your hands to gavoa the part that's dedicated on the altar. It only says it with the Shlamin. If you've upset somebody, if you've angered somebody, if you've become dis... So what I'm looking for? No, you, you're, you have no relationship. You, they've estranged from somebody. And you want to appease them. You want to repair and restore the relationship. You don't necessarily approach them directly. But you send a gift through an emissary. You, you through an agent let that person know that you're apologetic and remorseful and you're making a gesture to repair and you see where it goes where do we see an example of that says the Kliakar Yaakov Avinu Yaakov when he's trying to reunite and reconcile with Esav Yaakov first sends gifts to Esav soften him up a little bit feel him out a little bit And then he's going to reconcile. But if you want to approach the king, not out of having failed him, not seeking to reconcile, but out of love, a gesture of pure voluntary love, gratitude. Then you don't go through an agent or an intermediary, you do it directly. The Ola, Ba, Chaytahiru, Rabena Shlamin, a Korban Khatas or Hashem or Ola are all brought for failures on your part. So you give it to the Kohen, The Kohen brings it to Hashem on your behalf. But the shlamim, the shlamim which represents your love, your proactive gesture of love, not because you failed God, but because you want to come home with flowers for no reason. Not the flowers because you messed up, but the flowers for no reason. That you don't do through an agent. That you do directly. The Shlomim, which is your gesture of love, you bring with your own hand. I want to tell you, an incredible, is my favorite Avudraham. I've shared this also widely before. You'll forgive me if I'm getting repetitive already. The Avudraham Raham has an amazing insight. In the Amidah, Shemona Esrei, we say our own personal Amidah and then the Chazan delivers an Amidah on behalf of the Tibur. We listen and answer Amen to each of his brachas. One exception. Well, we don't answer Amen but the Shalach Tibur says something and we say something. What's that? Modem he says modem and we say modem why are we both saying modem it was good enough when he said modem he says and I say has a incredible insight he says you cannot outsource gratitude the other concept someone can represent you in delivering to God the amida but gratitude you have to always do yourself you don't deliver gratitude through an emissary. You don't deliver gratitude through an intermediary. It compromises, it takes away from the gratitude. Gratitude is always direct. So even though the Shliach Tzibor represents us in every other bracha, Hoda, Modim, he says it and I say it, because you can't deliver gratitude through an agent. You can't outsource gratitude. And that's why Yadav, is the Korban Shlomim, this sacrifice you bring directly, it's not through an agent. The Kliyakar ends, listen to this. In this section it says five times, Zos Torah. Zos Torah, Zerach Hashlamim, and so on. Five times those words. This is the Torah. Why? Says the Kliyakar. Kineged, Chami'she Chum'she Torah. Sha'osek ba'am doma k'ilu hikra v'chami'she minei korbanos eilu. When you study Chumash, it's as if you brought these five categories of sacrifices. and So the five permanent sacrifices are represented in the five times it says here, Zos, Toros, Ha, Zos, toras, Zos, Toros. This is the Torah of a, of a sacrifice. This is the concept of, uh, gratitude. So we should, at our Seder, Dayenu, and that our sinner, uh, Arami Ami Ovid specifically couched within the Maisa Bikurim, within the gratitude of the first fruit, when we're reflecting with gratitude, we express gratitude for all. We should never take for granted, but always be grateful for the blessings in our lives. Have a great Shabbos and Eichag Kasher V'sameach. We're not meeting next week. We're off next week. So Eichag Kasher V'sameach.